I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 31, Anxiously Engaged in a Good Cause, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 58 and 59. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Hello, hello. So we're actually going to start with what the episode or what this section rather is called anxiously engaged in a good cause. Um, because this is a phrase that I've always loved, but given the recent, I don't know, 2020, 2021, um, just life in general more recently, I feel like we think of anxious as a negative thing. Um, so I, so let's just jump there for a second. So this is Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 58, verse 27. And it says, Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause, doing many things of their own free will, and to and bring to pass much righteousness. Okay? So why would Heavenly Father want us to be anxious, right? He wants us to be anxiously engaged in something. Um, I think when we think of the word anxious, we think of anxiety, it's got a very negative connotation. Um, I looked in my best friend, the OED, (laughs) the Oxford English Dictionary, I looked it up and the very first definition of anxious is feeling or showing worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Now, when we think about the world, right, when I think about being a human being, that definition of anxiousness, that definition of anxiety makes a lot of sense, right? We we don't know exactly how things are going to play out. But when we think about Heavenly Father and an eternal perspective, that definition doesn't make sense to me because there isn't an uncertain outcome. We know what's going to happen. We have revelations that tell us what's going to happen. We have the book of revelations that tells us what's going to happen. We know that Christ will come. We know that he will bring peace. We know that there will, you know, there it's going to be great things and um, terrible things. And we, we know this, right? There's no uncertainty about, um, about Heavenly Father. And so why would we, why would we still, why would he want us to feel anxious? And so let's look at the second definition of am anxious from the OED. It says very eager or concerned to do something or for something to happen. And I think this is the definition of anxious that we should be thinking about when we think about being anxiously engaged in a good cause. Because we should be eager for the second coming, right? We should um, be concerned about our fellow man, concerned about ourselves, um, but in a positive way, in the way that um, Jake and I were talking about this last night or yesterday, or I don't remember, um, we're talking about it sometime in the last 24 ish hours. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that we talked about was how we can be anxious. We can be concerned. We can be invested, but not necessarily in a negative way, right? We can be, I'm invested in my children. I'm invested in 
their health. I'm in, I'm concerned about them. I want to make sure that they are good human beings. I want to make sure that they're healthy and that they're safe and that um, they grow up to contribute to society, you know, like all the things, right? And so um, these aren't bad things, right? But um, it doesn't, it, it just means that I've got a an interest. I've got a well-vested interest. Um, and so I think that's something to consider is I don't think Heavenly Father wants us to be sitting here wringing our hands, pulling our hair out, chewing our fingernails down um, to the uh, to the quick, you know, freaking out about the second coming. I think he wants us to be anxiously engaged in a way that has us feel good and still allows us to feel peace in him and peace in Christ, um, in an eager, excited kind of way, kind of, I remember hearing somebody say one time that anxiousness, anxiety, um, and nervousness or no nervousness, anxiety, anxiousness, all of those are confused, exciting does that make sense? So like when you think about something that you're excited for, like Christmas or going to Disneyland or going on a, going on any huge trip or, you know, getting married, you know, like these things that um, are traditionally good things, right? And things that we're excited to do. When you describe how you feel in your body, when you're excited to do something, right? Um, I get, I'll go through this when I go on a plane. I was a military kid. I spent, I grew up on planes. I spent a lot of time on planes. Um, and I love airplanes. I really enjoy riding on airplanes. I've never experienced any fear, um, in terms of riding airplanes, right? I love, I love being on a plane. And the way that I would describe the night before I know I'm going to go on a trip is I've got butterflies in my stomach. Um, my body feels like super aware of everything that's going on, kind of antsy, um, kind of not irritable, but like just, there's a lot of energy moving around in my body. Um, I have a hard time sleeping cause I'm just excited about what's going to happen the next day. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I, it feels in my body. It's a lot of energy. It's really bright. It's very quick. It's very, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, it, if I had to describe it in like a picture, I would say it's like a puppy, right? It's just kind of all over the place, really excited, just kind of happy-go-lucky. Um, and if you ask somebody who hates flying, who's really nervous about it and does not want to go on this airplane, they're probably going to say that there's a lot of, and nervous energy, right? There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of movement. They feel restless. They're not really sure what to do with themselves. They have a pit in their stomach. And, and a lot of the words and a lot of the phrases they're going to use are going to be the same, except for, for them, it's going to be negative. For me, it's positive. But the way that it shows up in our body is exactly the same. And so I kind of just wanted to point this out that we can be eager, right? We He wants us to be eager for the second coming and anxiously engaged, eagerly engaged. If you're, if you don't like the term anxious, anxiously engaged because you, um, you deal with anxiety, I would suggest you change it to eager, eagerly engaged in a good cause, right? Eager, I think is a really good, um, use, a really good word we can use here. I think Heavenly Father wants us to be eager. I don't think he wants us to be anxious in the way that the world 
um, defines anxious and anxiety. Um, I think it's a very negative way that the world uses it. And I think that it's just, it's the same energy as whether or not we think it as a good thing or as a bad thing. Um, anyway, so that was a one thing I wanted to talk about for sure. Um, the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about is the Sabbath, um, and why we have that, right? Um, in Mark chapter two, verse 27, it says, and he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. One of the, um, talks that, whoops, that the, uh, come follow me recommends that you read is the Sabbath is a delight from April 2015 general conference. This is by, um, now President Nelson. Um, he was not prophet at the time, obviously. Um, and here's what he says. What did the Savior mean when he said that the Sabbath was made for man and not the man and not man for the Sabbath? I believe he wanted us to understand that the Sabbath was his gift to us, granting real respite from the rigors of daily life and an opportunity for spiritual and physical renewal. God gave us this special day, not for amusement or daily labor, but for a rest from duty with physical and spiritual relief. In Hebrew, the word Sabbath means rest. And I was thinking about this the other day, about how Heavenly Father... Right. We all know the story, <clears throat> excuse me, of the creation. We all know the story of how, you know, he created this thing on the first day and this thing on the second day and this thing on the third day and fourth day and fifth day and sixth day. And then on the seventh day, he looked at his works and they were good and he rested. Right. So heavenly father, who is the all powerful, all knowing, most intelligent, most, um, incredible, powerful being, divine, eternal being ever rested. I, I just want you to think about this for a second. The most powerful, eternal being ever rested. Now, here's the thing, you guys, I'm a human being. I am not all powerful. I am not, e well, I'm, my spirit is eternal. My body, not so much at this, this particular moment. Um, my energy is not boundless by any means whatsoever. And yet for some reason, I'm under the impression that I have to go, 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 go right? That we have to just push and push and go and constantly, you know, we hear this, um, what is it that people say all the time? It drives me crazy. It's something about hustling. Um, anyway, you know, you, you, you gotta hustle. You have to, you know, um, be a boss lady and hustle this and do that and all these things. And, and I think it's important to remember that we need to rest, right? Heavenly Father made a day specifically for resting, for resting and doing the things that help bring us closer to him to intentionally think about, um, resting. And I think sometimes, at least for me growing up, the Sabbath was kind of annoying, right? I was like, ugh. I, why, why can't we like this one more day that I don't have school? Like I want to be doing fun things. Um, and I learned pretty early on in my college years 
um, I didn't want to do homework on the Sabbath, right? I started to kind of value the Sabbath a little bit differently. I grew up in Hawaii. A lot of my youth was spent in Hawaii and, um, we still went to the beach on Sunday, but it was different. It felt different. Um, if we were going on a Saturday or any other day of the week, we'd go in swimsuits, we'd have sunscreen, we'd take all the swim toys and we'd play in the water and, you know, we'd be there all day. Um, on Sundays, you know, we'd go to church and we'd come home, we'd have some lunch and, um, sometimes we'd go to the beach, but we would stay in our Sunday clothes. We didn't play in the water and we would sit on the beach. And I remember, you know, we'd talk about heavenly father and we'd talk about Christ and we would talk about, um, how incredible to live in such a beautiful place and, um, just kind of soak up his incredible creation that is Hawaii and, um, it's, it's amazing beaches. And, um, and I think that that's something that we all have to kind of find our way to worship him and, um, to rest. Cause I think rest looks different for all of us. Um, one of the things president Nelson said is, uh, in that same talk, he says the savior identified himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. It is his day. Repeatedly, he has asked us to keep the Sabbath or to hollow the Sabbath day. We are under covenant to do so. How do we hollow the Sabbath day? In my much younger years, I studied the work of others who had compiled lists of things to do and things to not do on the Sabbath. It wasn't until later I learned from the scriptures that my conduct and my attitude on the Sabbath constituted a sign between me and my heavenly father. With that understanding, I no longer needed lists of do's and don'ts. When I had to make a decision whether or not an activity was appropriate for the Sabbath, I simply asked myself, what sign do I want to give to God? That question made my choices about the Sabbath day crystal clear. Um, and then there was one last thing that I wanted to talk about before we're done with these particular chapters. Um, in the verse right before the anxiously engaged verse, right? So this is uh, Doctrine and Covenants 58, verse 26. He says, For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same as a slothful and is sloth, a slothful and not a wise servant, wherefore he receiveth no reward. And then in 58, 29, he's... Um, reiterates kind of the same kind of thing is that anybody who has to be told every single little thing is considered a slothful servant. And I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, it's interesting because I feel like there's a lot of scriptures that are like, Hey, if you need anything, ask me, if you're not sure about something, go ahead and ask me. And I don't think that this is saying that we, um, don't ask heavenly father, but we don't need to ask him every single thing, things that we're not sure about. Right. If, um, decisions that we're making. I remember it wasn't until I was married. Okay. This is, this is when I learned this and maybe I was taught this earlier and it never really clicked. Um, but I remember talking to Jake about this pretty early on in our marriage about how, how to pray to heavenly father about decisions, because I had always just been told, Oh yeah, you ask heavenly father. And so I was like, Hey, do I, do I do this or do I do that? And I was like, I never really felt like I got answers. And it wasn't until I was married, Jake was saying, well, I don't do that. I will make a choice. And then I go to him and I say, Hey, this is the decision I made. 
um, let me know. Let me know if I'm making the right choice, right? And he goes, and if I felt peace about it, then I knew I was making the right choice. Um, if I didn't feel good about it, then I knew I was making the wrong choice, right? And I needed to reevaluate. Um, and I think that that's something, you know, that's obviously something that's important and it, we should do that, but we don't need to do that about every single little thing. Um, I remember Jake telling me that there were some things like which, which university he should go to, um, where he's like, I literally got the answer of, it doesn't matter. Just pick one. Like they're both good. Just pick one. Um, whichever one you want to is fine. And so he went to Hawaii cause you know, no offense, Idaho, but come on Hawaii. Right. Um, and I think it's a, it's something to be, con to consider as, especially as a mom, I fully understand this, right? Like I, there are things that I don't need to tell my kids how to do because they should know how to do it by now, right? There are certain things and it's obviously depends on the kid, right? Um, Julia, my six-year-old is going to be more capable than Edmund, who is two. Um, Julia doesn't need to ask me which shoes she should wear. Right. She's able to look outside. She can figure out what the weather's like and figure out which shoes she should put on. Whereas a two-year-old is not always got the best judgment um, or he might need help putting his shoes on. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, in a lot of ways, um, it's important to consult with Heavenly Father about things that you're really concerned about. And, you know, a lot of the big life decision things. Um, and, you know, if you need help with things, but I also think, you know, you don't need to necessarily pray to find out which car to buy, you know, or necessarily which shirt you should put on, you know, um, you don't have to be commanded to do every single thing. There's a reason we were given our agency. And, um, if our goal is to become like heavenly father, then we don't need to have somebody guiding us and telling us every single little thing along the way. And I think about it as a mom, right? When I have all of these things that I need to do and then the kids are like, well, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, look around, figure it out. Like, I don't need to tell you every single little thing you're, you're capable. You know, we do this every day, you know, what comes next, right? Like you don't need me to tell you. Um, anyway, so those were just kind of some of my thoughts that stuck out the most for these particular chapters, but, um, let's talk about how to apply them. And I think honestly, the biggest one I think about over this, these chapters is honestly the anxiously engaged, being eagerly engaged in a good cause. Um, and I think for a lot of us, our good cause is our children, you know, um, teaching them the things that we know and learning alongside them and allowing them to see us make mistakes and allowing them to see us rectify our mistakes and, um, walking them through the process of repentance, walking them through, what the Holy Ghost feels like walking them through, um, walking them through mortality, um, and showing them how we make choices and then also how they can make choices and which choices we need to bring to heavenly father and how to know, how to know which ones we bring to him and how to know which ones we, we make on our own and can kind of move forward from there. So I will talk to you next week.